I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, a real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The real Brian show. Well, welcome to yet another TRB Reviews episode. These are bonus episodes where we get to review movies, TV shows, music, products, all that good stuff. And this week, we're discussing episode five of Star Trek Picard. These are spoilery episodes, so load photon torpedoes and fire. (laughs) Woo! Let's rock it! Doesn't a show like this just make you want to party and just launch photon torpedoes on people and blow everything up? And fire, and fire, and fire. fire. Just keep firing. (laughs) I was like, oh, we're using all of our photon torpedoes. Just stop. (laughs) The photon apocalypse. (laughs) Hey, Captain Influence. Hey, Brian. What's up, buddy? Dude, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, thank thank you for being here, as always. Yeah. So always a good time. I thought that was actually kind of funny that the uh, photon torpedoes just kept launching. I kind of felt like that was kind of what happened in this episode. I it was you just were going nuts. More violence, more violence. Just bring on the yeah. violence. This was a violent episode, wasn't it? This has to be, I think, the most violent. Um, I was going to say episode, but I'm going to say the most violent showing of Star Trek that I think I've ever seen. Interesting. Well, yeah. okay, and hold on here because. In some ways, Star Trek First Contact had its violence. There were quite a few violent episodes in Season 3 of Enterprise, but wouldn't even say it was violence as much as it would be more of the brutality that I've never seen brutality like this. The closest right. was in the episode Conspiracy, which was uh, was that Season 1 or 2, I think. I think it was Season 1 of, of The Next Generation. And it was just weird with those little aliens... Really? Remember those little, like, um, I don't know what they're called, but it's like those little crawly things that would get in, get in, like, they'd crawl into their mouths and they would control their brains. Do you remember that episode? Oh, no, I do not. That's been too long. Dude. Oh, man. It's, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was bizarre and it was just kind of a creepy episode and a lot of things that happened in that episode was just really weird. But, you know, the CGI back then really wasn't that good. So it was just more of a, oh, that's totally fake. But in this one, man. When they just start ripping Echeb's eye out, I'm like, oh, oh. come on. Right, that- out, right out the bat. Right oh. in the first three minutes. Yeah, too far. That was hard to watch. Yeah, I, th- I really think that the whole... I bring Game of Thrones up a lot in this show, even though I know you've never seen it. But you know from hearsay how, how violent and gratuitously shocking that show was, right? Yeah. I feel like that show has set this paradigm in the action entertainment industry that other producers and directors are just kind of following along behind. And I've heard a lot of fans are really not having it right now, but it's the way things are. I mean, it's just kind of the, do you remember Brian back in the, I think it was the early nineties when Terminator two came out and total recall. Oh yeah. And there were, there were a bunch of films right around the same two or three year span, right around the turn of the nineties, gritty, 
ultra violent movie after ultra violent movie. It was like it, it was a it was like the summer two summers of violence basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll never forget those two or three years because of how unusually violent the movies, the action movies were during mm-hmm. that time. We were eating it up because it was so like wow, they're actually showing this. You know, we were coming out of the '80s and '70s. You know, we were coming out of a much more prudish, you know, entertainment industry. This is reminding me of that, basically. Mm-hmm. What's funny is I watched this episode, and there were those parts, those brutal parts that they didn't offend me, but they kind of were like, "Wow, I really didn't need or want to see that." <laughs> then I'm like, "Well, I kind of liked the episode. I had some fun with it." Well, after I do that, then I was going and, and just kind of reading reviews. I always like to do that. I get a pulse on it now after I watch it. Right. And this is by far the most hated episode of the season so far. Wow. And yeah. people are just ripping it apart saying, I think the funniest one was, do these writers, directors, producers, etc., even watch Star Trek? Guess who directed this episode? Was it Frakes? Yep. Jonathan Frakes, William wow. Riker. So yes, he knows Star Trek. Absolutely. He knows Star Trek. In fact, he's been, in my opinion, one of the best directors for Star Trek movies and TV shows So I loved the episode in the sense of that very much a Frakes type episode. There was a lot to it. It was fun. It it furthered the story, but I'm surprised he let that through. Um, But here's the thing. The fans are complaining in this sense. This is not the Trek I grew up with. Of course. They're saying that, you know, how could they do this to Echeb? By the way, let me explain who Echeb is because I'm sure many of you probably didn't even know who this this guy was in the very beginning of the episode that they're ripping including his eye out. My, yeah, including myself. I did not who, know who it was. Okay, so in Star Trek Voyager, in the later seasons, Seven of Nine and the Voyager rescue a few Borg children. The eldest is Echeb, who is, I think, a teenager at the time. And, you know, they live on Voyager. And anyway, really, really cool relationships develop. You know, at that time, Seven's like, well, my my real family died when I was a child because the Borg pretty much killed them. And then she got assimilated. So, you know, yes, Voyager is her new family, but she considers Echeb and the other children like her actual family Mm. because they're Borg and they have a connection and they can connect to each other and relate to each other and that kind of thing. So. You got to look at that. This was 20 ish, 20 plus years ago in story time. Yeah. So she has a 25 year ish relationship with this person who she sort of considered to be her own son or at least a little brother. Now she she does even say like he's the closest thing I have to a real son. Okay. so even in Voyager, she sort of saw them as like her surrogate children in a way. Okay. Here we are. We open up. And at first I'm like, wait, is that Echeb? Because I realized it was, I don't think it was the same actor, but it looked like him because he had that, that nose bridge, which is part of his race. I'm seeing this. And then of course, you know, oh my gosh, she's, he's getting tortured. And then he asks seven to kill him. And then which of course she does, she kills him. And I mean, you're, it's horrific, right? Yeah. And I'm like, if this is Echeb, this is like really horrible to watch, really sad, really painful because he was a cool guy. It was a cool character. So then you find out, yes, it was Echeb, and yes, she considered him like a son. So you got a 25-ish year relationship and pretty much imagine killing your own son. Right. And it's just like, okay, that went way too far in my opinion. But then you start to really understand why Seven is the way she is today. So the fans have to understand that. They have to understand that they're, they're showing Seven as a bitter, angry, vengeful person because of what happened. On the other hand... These fans are saying, well, this isn't what Star Trek is. Star Trek was supposed to be positive. It was supposed to be happy. It was supposed to be utopian. All true. Star Trek wasn't supposed to have this level of of graphic brutality in it. That is also true. 
I and I totally agree with every single one of them. But on the other hand, I'm starting to ask this question. Are you fans stuck in the past? Right. Like, well, this is the way it always was. So therefore, it needs to be the same way. Kind of like no good music was made after the 80s sort of stuck in the past. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean, but you at think? the same time, I, I feel like their, re, their response to that question, are you guys stuck in the past, is no, we're upset about the principle of it. They're, okay, no, that's they're fair. Upset by the, yeah, yeah, they're upset by the principles that make Star Trek Star Trek being what they consider violated by the newfangled Star Treks out there, like Discovery, sure. like, like uh, Picard. Yeah. Because they are pretty different than what we grew up with. Yeah. I personally think that these changes in, you know, principle or, or how they approach the genre make it a little more realistic. And I've said that before, like in yeah. the first episode or whatnot. I feel like there's a there's a more of a sense of realism to it because the world we live in is is gritty. It's it's not that clean. So I feel like them pulling some of those realistic elements into the Star Trek universe is I don't know, progressive is one way of putting it. But at the same time, like you said, I get where they're coming from. I understand why the fanboys are upset about it. And because it is, it's a shocker. I almost wonder if the directors and producers are, I wonder how fully aware they are of this phenomenon. But the I, episodes but I wonder were how, already done, so it's, it's whatever's sure. done is done. Sure, but I, I wonder if going in, you know, the writers and, and everybody, if they, if they knew, okay, the fanboys are going to hate this because... But then yeah. maybe it develops later on in the season. Maybe the season develops to where you know the people who are upset by this change maybe go, oh, okay, I get where they're, I get what they're doing here. Maybe what they're doing is what we think they might be doing. You know, with you know con- contrasting Picard as the White Knight of the old Federation and old Starfleet versus the dystopia of the new Federation, new Starfleet, and and his quest to somehow break that dystopia somehow. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I think this is really good to be discussing because I actually do agree with the fanboys, by the way, but I'm not to the point where I hate it. It's just more of a, yeah, and it it goes back and we've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it one more time. What Gene Roddenberry created was a message of hope, utopia, and this is the way that it should be right now. Granted, it's not because if you think about it, regardless of how utopian Star Trek is, the show is still built on conflict. Every single episode of the original series, The Next Generation, all of the movies, everything was built on conflict because that's what tells good stories. Right. So regardless of how utopian it is, it really wasn't. But it was still a message of we wish Earth could be this good, even with conflict. And then if you put reality into it, there unfortunately is no such thing as utopia. No matter how much we try, there's always going to be someone that's just going to screw it up. So I poop like in the ice cream, Brian. Exactly. Poop in the ice cream. So I yep. think that a group of people can still come together like Picard, for example, and say, this is the way that it should be. And we're always going to strive. Yeah. We're always going to strive forward to there this. And everyone else is still going to throw poop in the ice cream. Take a dump in the sprinkle, ice cream. Sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. So I'm okay with, the dystopian aspect of the show because the Borg attacked and it really messed up the Federation. Then they had the dominion war and that really messed up the Federation. Well, now we obviously have infiltration into the leadership of the Federation. It's obvious. So it's going to mess up people. It's going to disillusion people. It's going to create that. Well, even though Gene Roddenberry's mission was hope and utopia, and this is the way it should be reality crept in. 
humans aren't perfect and they did. And then of course you've got the Tal Shiar infiltrating and stuff. Right. Well, it's changing things. And so again, this goes back to what I said in the very beginning and I wish more people would listen to our reviews. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> because what we're saying people are complaining about, but if you came and listened to our reviews, you'd get a good discussion here. So the point I'm trying to say here is that if it is dystopian because of those reasons, then I hope we'll see them try to put it back together and try to restore hope to the Federation to the way that it's supposed right. to be. If that happens, I'm a happy viewer. I'm a happy hardcore Star Trek fan and I'm not going to complain anymore, but I'm not even really complaining anyway. Right. I'm more trying to respond to this because I, these are valid points. Now we didn't need to see that torture scene and it was very sad to see each die and it was horrible to see how seven has gone and it was amazing to see how Picard was trying to pull her back and say, you know, this isn't the answer. Murder and, and brutality is not the answer. Now, on the other hand, this person uh i don't even know who, what her name was the the jazel the jazel the, the, the deanna troy look-alike yeah the total deanna troy in fact was yeah. that her daughter because it, it kind of looked be. like of a relative they, didn't it they had to be related i mean i'm gonna have to come look on. it up <laughs> captain i'm sensing <laughs> something <laughs> see the actress who plays the Jazel or the Jazel. I don't know. I, 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 the I, I replayed it. I, the <laughs> nozzle. I replayed it over and over. It's like, what's her name? What's her name? Yeah. The J- nozzle. Jazel. Yeah. Anyway, here's the thing though. She was the bad guy. She was the person that was trying to get all of those implants implants essentially. Yeah. She sounded like a pretty brutal person, you know, with that flashback. And then when you meet her, it's just like, well, she's not that scary. She's, she's, she's manipulative, but she's just all business. Yeah. So I thought, well, we needed somebody a little bit more um, intense. I, like I said, I can resonate with you guys on this one, and I don't agree with some of the stuff they're doing. And yes, the language is annoying. However, <sighs> didn't Dr. McCoy himself swear? <laughs> Dang it, Jim. I'm a doctor. I mean, come on. That was in the 60s. So, uh, you know, we can split hairs over this kind of stuff or we can move forward. We'll move forward. We'll move forward. I still like the show. And like I said, for some reason, this episode was more exciting for me than some of the last, well, three and four, actually. I don't know why. For whatever reason, I thought it was really fun. I mean, when when they get into it, first of all, just having seven of nine. I like Jerry Ryan. It's great. I'm glad she's there. And then, of course, they get to free cloud and it's like all of these random advertisements pop up. And I thought that was creative. Yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed that when they're still in orbit. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think overall of the episode? Did you like it as well or? Yeah, I thought it was a really fun heist episode. There were, there were a couple of campy parts, but nothing that made me go, oh, come on, guys. Nothing like that. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. When did phasers get so large, Brian? I, <laughs> what happened? Well, remember when phasers were these little handheld things? And, yeah. and I'm not talking about the 60s. I mean, I mean like even in, in, well, in the 60s, they had handheld too. Yeah, the dustbusters yeah. and all that. So they've always had the type one phaser, which is the super small, like literally fits in your palm kind of phaser. Type two is like the pistol slash dustbuster kind of look. And then the type threes were the <laughs> rifles. Well, that's what they used to call them originally because they okay. looked like dustbusters and then they, they thinned them out and made them look a little bit more like a, a weapon. Type three type is a phaser rifle. Type three is what is what she was rocking in this episode. So, yeah. Well, this is the other thing I'm hearing people complain about as well. The ships don't look very Trek-like. These aren't Federation ships, people. <laughs> Rios' ship is not a Federation ship. It's like, a, I don't know, somebody else made it. And if you look at those rifles, those aren't Federation issue. 
And have we gotten a good look at Rios's ship? I mean, Not have we? Really? They haven't showcased the design of his ship very much. I'm also now going back finally and watching Discovery season two. I've never uh-huh. actually watched it yet. Interestingly enough, I'm thinking about Picard. I'm thinking about Discovery. And of course, I'm now thinking about the next generation. The next generation masterfully developed the characters and created a wonderful personality for the ship. If you think about it, the Enterprise D was a character in the show. You knew the ship inside and out. You knew everything about it. We don't know anything about Rios's ship yet, except that he's got a lot of holograms, which actually is kind of cool. I don't even know a whole lot about the discovery as a ship truthfully i mean there's a little bit here and there you you see like a, a couple bit. locales more than rios yeah so more far. than rios's ship i think the character development in picard so far is actually pretty good we're only five episodes in and i think they've done a really really good job with that they've already created some good backstory with almost all the characters mm-hmm. discovery on the other hand and i know this isn't a review about discovery but I, I'm, I'm contrasting here there's like almost no development with most of the characters. You have development huh. with like Saru and Michael Burnham and Stamets and Tilly. Those are the four you have development with. You don't even really know a lot about Christopher Pike yet. And then all of the other bridge officers. I don't even know their names, dude. I've watched a season <laughs> and a half of that show and I don't even know their names yet. I don't know anything about them. So that's bizarre. Now, another thing, and I had to throw this one in just kind of as a, as a funny goof here. People ask, do the showrunners watch Picard? Well, so far, I have not seen any major goofs in Picard versus episode five of Discovery. Saru, by the way, they're fighting this, you know, defense from Saru's home planet, you know, the the other race. And there's all these ships surrounding them. And he goes, shields up, red alert, arm phasers, load photon torpedoes. And then Saru beams himself down to the planet with the shields (laughs) up. Hello, that is like Star Trek 101. Every fan knows you cannot beam through shields. Everybody knows that. How many times have they said that in the shows over the years? So that's a major goof. Hello. That's where I would say, hey, did the showrunners actually watch the show? But with Picard, I haven't seen that yet. So (laughs) I just want to keep crossing our fingers on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) that goes back to the ship isn't getting a personality yet. And well, it is. It is with the holograms. Right, but remind me, and I f- I'll feel really stupid if, if this is just a, yeah, of course, but what is the name of his <laughs> ship again? I don't know. Come on. I don't folks. even know. Now, I'm sure somebody knows, but I don't know because, they again, they don't even talk about it. Their defense would be, it's just a ship. The captain is what matters. He's the character that matters. Nope. We're, we're, we don't care about the ship, so we don't want you to care about the ship either. Don't every, who cares what it's called. Every cares ship. what it looks like. Every ship is a character in the show, no matter what. I agree. They've screwed that one up already with Picard. Yeah. So I I really hope that they make it a character at some point, or at least give us more information on it. At least let us look at it and go, hey, cool ship. Or why does this ship look so goofy or whatever? Give us a name at least. Come on. I agree. They need to. And if they have already, it's been pretty, you know, under the table. So, well, what's really interesting to me is how they've made the Chateau more of a character than they have the ship. Yeah. Picard never, quote, felt at home at the Chateau. So why did he recreate the Chateau? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I mean? He, that's a good point. He said that. Why didn't he recreate the bridge, the bridge of the Enterprise D? Yes. On his ship. Yes. Like these are what things where I'm like, that I, I don't get what they're doing right now. This is where episode one was so masterfully thought through 
and I loved every bit of it. And I'm like, yep, you guys did this. And then you've got these little things like this going like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But regardless of all that, I'm still really enjoying the show. Oh, me too. I'm glad you are too. Yeah. So it sounds like we're just tearing it apart, but no, so far it's still great entertainment value. We just, Um, we got a nitpick because we're reviewing. Yeah, we got it. We have to. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, we're, we're picking lice, you know, off the show right now. Yeah, exactly. Little eggs. Yep. I think it's interesting how in the beginning of the episode, seven of nine is considered like a legend. Oh, she's this Fenris warrior. Oh, she's that Borg Fenris warrior. Like that was really cool. Fenris ranger. Yes. Or ranger. Yeah. Ranger. I'm sorry. And then I think it was kind of funny because I think all of us tend to forget this periodically, but Rios is like, yeah, I I forgot that Picard was a Borg. Like, oh yeah. Duh. Right. But because it's been decades and I can see why your average person would have heard of Picard, but would have forgotten the fact that he was Borg at one point. Isn't it um, interesting though how they were, you know, when when Picard and Seven were talking, you know, it's kind of like she was asking him, "Do you ever feel like you regained your humanity back?" Right. And he said, "Well, yes, actually I have." And it doesn't sound not, like she has. No, but he said not completely, didn't no, he? No, no, he mean, said he, yes, but then she said something along the lines of, "Do you ever forget it or or, you know, kind of like I have to deal with it every single day. I'm always having to I'm reminded of it." He did find that he regained his humanity. And I think that's still her struggle is that she has not regained her humanity yet, which does make sense, even though we see her much more human like in this episode than she ever was in Voyager. Obviously, there's a a level of her. But man, she's turned into this like murderous, crazy, you know, person, which again, we understand why they killed Echeb. Well, she killed, went from there. But hmm. we talked about Free Cloud, the entry in that. I thought that was interesting. It kind of reminded me of like, you know, Narshada or Vegas or, you know, that typical kind of thing. You know, the the thing about this, and again, this goes back to budget, is that I wish they would show more of planets like that, like them entering the atmosphere and, you know, you see the buildings and stuff. And then it's not just like one bar, which you know, is I was, all they did. What really fascinated me about, and this this shouldn't have anything to do with budget, what fascinated me about, what, about Stardust City was how, when they were coming into it, how small it was. It's this little island of lights and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. then it was i mean it was a it was a reasonable size once they were in it but i thought that they i mean there was nothing i don't see how budget would stop them from making it this way out of control like huge mm-hmm. multi-million person city with with you know 10 times as big as they showed it basically yeah. i was a little surprised how small it was yeah so well and that's the thing so you know the only thing that i can really compare it to is like First of all, Narshada, which is in Star Wars, we've seen it in video games. You know, you read about it in books and stuff, but, you know, you've never really actually seen it in any of the movies. But the closest we've ever come to was kind of the undercity of Coruscant in episode two when Anakin and and Obi-Wan are chasing the bounty hunter and stuff. And it's like, you know, you really get to see that. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like (laughs) (laughs) I like that stuff where if they would have done that more, yeah, you see them fly in in a little bit, but I'm like, no, go more into it. Let's see more of the buildings. Let's, let's experience more of call it the the world that you just created, not just the bar, but anyway, it's what it is. You know, it's time. It's budget. I get it. What I said was a little naive. You're absolutely correct. It is totally about budget. I keep forgetting that every second of CG costs X number of thousands of dollars and they probably had to cut there or something. I don't know, but yeah, I wish they would have been able to, expand upon that a little more now the whole pimp like play the part scene and you know <laughs> Picard, dude 
killed it as that crazy oh, french that so rich good. dude i was just like when he like turns and looks at seven it is hideous <laughs> like yes <laughs> that was so funny to watch like that was the best acting i've seen him do in a long time it was fun that was a fun scene yeah i was because when it when he was still on the ship and he had the, the eye patch i'm like okay so they're gonna send rios down as a pimp and picard down as a pirate yeah what's going on here i mean it's like oh yeah they really are in vegas but then it turns out he was just this campy French. Oh, so funny. Bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> was like a rich dude. That, I, that was funny. So, Very interesting, yeah. though, that lizard race species, whatever that guy was. Interesting, though. And I like how he can smell all of those things like that was yeah. cool. And then they were kind of like, OK, well, you have to they, they can smell if you're lying. They can smell what you have for breakfast. I mean, it's just like you really got all of that stuff. You got to manage that. And then, of course, they give him that little cocktail that. Kind of like, yeah, am I lying? Trolls no, you're mom. good. But yeah, that was that was cool. I liked that a lot. But yeah, the the Jaisal, <laughs> I didn't like her that much. I thought she was a weak, a weakly written character. Weakly written villain. Yeah, she was kind of like a meh. You could have done a lot better with her. And it was like, eh, whatever. And then it was over yeah, and they, done. And then they vaporized her. And, okay, fine. Cool. They started out with her great, you know, with the opening scene and establishing oh, yeah. her as as a as a evil person yeah wait was was that her taking his eye out well i don't know because she had blonde hair and then the jazel had dark yeah. hair so i don't know if she yeah, was actually was the, the one doing chick. it yeah that's right or if she so, was overseeing it i don't know good question they established what she's doing yeah the business that she's in as extremely awful i'm yeah. trying to think of a better word for it but, <laughs> but they never really developed her but she's a one she's a one-off character so mm-hmm. i don't i don't really blame them too much for that no but i mean they could uh, have done a thing where if this like she should have been the one extracting the eye in the first scene yes and then yeah. you know later on she should be this person with like just kind of this psychotic personality that has no remorse right. and is just brutal in her business dealings and that kind of thing like that would have been a much more powerful and also formidable villain for 7 yeah I didn't I think she was a formidable villain. So I was like, eh, like I, I liked the episode, but I thought she was kind of a, kind of a waste. No offense. No offense right. to the actress. Cause, cause she, she did fine acting. It's just, I didn't, I didn't like the character, but whatever. So, so at the end of the episode or near the end of the episode, seven borrows two of Picard's phaser cannons, mm-hmm. phaser rifles and beams back down, vaporizes the Jays. <laughs> The Jazel, the nozzle. <laughs> like right after they broker a deal, Maddox for Jazel's life, she does her part of it, and then Seven beams back down and totally negates the deal and kills her, which I totally yeah, get. Yeah, but well, and then Seven then goes he, off in this blaze of glory, and did she die or is she alive? We don't know. That's right. And then the second thing that happens at the end of this episode that blew me away, yeah, was what happens with Agnes. Okay, and so first of all. Agnes and Maddox are together, which kind of shocked me. At least me. they used to be. They used to be at least. Yeah, but that shocked me because we we had no idea that that was at all part of what was going on. I mean, it sounded like they just worked together, but you're like, oh, okay, so this is personal for Agnes. We didn't know right. that. Well, then Picard's talking with Maddox and, you know, it doesn't sound like Maddox knows much. I mean, the one thing we do realize is that Dodge wasn't a figment of Picard's imagination because let's face it, until that point, no one else had seen her. Right. He confirmed it. Talked yeah, about he confirms oh, it. Soji's on the artifact and oh, yep. well, we sent Soji and Dodge both to find the truth. What is yes. the truth? We don't know. Yeah. But, then, then you get this point where Agnes, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to atone for one more thing, essentially. Well, wait, what, what do you mean? One more thing. And then saying that, 
if you knew what they had shown me, who showed you what? Was it Commodore O? So who showed Agnes what? We don't know and yet. Then, yeah, and then she kills Maddox. I'm like, what? What? She kills Maddox. What the heck? That was the biggest OMFG moment of the series so far. Yeah. <laughs> which which I applaud, by the way, because it was totally unexpected, and that's what they were going for, obviously. Yeah. And I can't wait to find out what the deal is. Agnes a bad guy, I, or was Maddox a bad guy, and Agnes got revenge, or what's going on? What's going on? I don't yeah, know, Brian. This is weird. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, that was a shock, and I was kind of like, wait, did I just see what I thought I saw? <laughs> okay. Yeah. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is what happened with Raffi in this episode. And yeah, this was, was kind of important character development because she was hitching a ride with them to free cloud to deal with something else. And then she parted ways with them. Well, first well, of all, she was hitching a ride to free cloud to find Maddox. So she said, Oh, I thought it was, I, I forgot that that was why she was, which mm. is exactly why they were going to free cloud. I yeah. thought she had some other. No, she, well, you never knew. Agenda. She was just like, I'm here to see Maddox and we got to get there as soon as we can because Maddox is important. Uh, okay okay well i want to take a stop off no 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 we got to get the free okay okay and you know and then they get here and you realize oh personal now it sounded to me like picard kind of had a, a no because at the very end when you know he goes hey rafi and and she's like leave me alone and he's just like welcome back it's like yeah. he kind of knew something was going on so right he must but, know that she has a son yeah so she went to mend fences with her son who lives in stardust city mm-hmm and her son doesn't want anything to do with her because she abandoned him. Yeah, interesting. And so now we kind of know that that immediately struck me as, oh, well, that's why she's all pissy about Picard abandoning her. She's got yep. abandonment issues. Yeah. I appreciated that bit of character development. Now mm-hmm. we know where she's coming from. Yeah, because what it sounded like is that, you know, Picard was kind of going crazy with this whole, we got to save those Romulans, you know, the whole issue with the synths and everything. And at time you could tell Rafi was just like you know this is 14 years ago Rafi's kind of like well you know I don't know you're kind of going you're obsessing Picard but I'll follow you anyway and it sounded to me like at that point he kind of led her down that rabbit trail as a result she then abandoned her son and then when Picard then abandoned Rafi then it was like okay I just did all this for nothing so that's kind of what I'm getting from that is that there's a lot of bitterness there that I don't know if that's entirely true but that's just what it feels like that makes sense. So you might have hit the nail on the head. Yeah, but it was good to get that backstory. And again, this is what I like is a little bit of backstory and character development because we don't know these people yet. So this is good. There was absolutely no Soji or anything going on Mm-mm. with the Borg uh, artifact yeah. in this episode. So And nothing I, with Newt's I'm, commander? Nothing with Newt's commander of, yep. of, as a result. So that whole storyline they put on hold for one episode and I'm sure they're going to bring it back in the next episode. So Sounds like it. Episode six, here it comes, baby. Yeah. In the preview of C- of episode six, there is Borg action in that episode. Ooh. So it was very short, but I saw a flash of it. And uh, so we're definitely going back to the artifact the next episode, and there are definitely going to be Borg involved. So beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you thought of this episode of Picard because I, uh, like I said, lots of controversy out there. I'm curious. Are you enjoying it? Are you hating it? Let us know. Yeah. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And, you know, you can join us in the Facebook group, have a conversation there or Slack or email us TRB at realbrianshow.com. At this point, I mean, I know we're right until somebody comes Proves back. Us and, wrong. Yeah, yeah, right? You know what the music means. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, thank you, though. We really appreciate it. We've got another insane episode coming on Friday. And uh, wow, it is, man, I'm just, I'm excited. 
March is here. We've got these TRB Unleashed episodes coming with these interviews. So, um, in fact, those will be airing very, very soon. Regardless, though, have a good rest of your week. See you Friday. This is The Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.